Welcome to the Yachts and Audibles podcast. Matt Bream, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. And I just realized as we started talking, there might be an echo. So I apologize for that. Uh, we were actually in the booth that Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler were in calling what I'm going to call, maybe you guys agree, disagree, an instant classic. 100%. Um, unfortunately for Oregon, you're on the losing end. 36 to 33, Washington come from behind victory. Um Unbelievable game. Yes. Uh, I think the lead changed hands like five times in the first half, and then it slowed down a little bit in the second half, but there was still a couple handing of the batons to one another of, of who had control of this game. It looked like Oregon was going to maybe kind of not get blown out, but the score was going to kind of get away from them, and then all of a sudden they had the lead, and then all of a sudden they were trying to ice the game and couldn't, um, and that's – yeah, and then obviously the Utah passing attack, Michael Penix, two plays after a fourth down decision by Oregon um, for a touchdown. Ron Ladunze, his game-winning catch. Yep. Um, Penix, as good as advertised. Mm-hmm. We had no doubt of that. Probably the best quarterback in college football. Um, their passing attack is unbelievable. Bo Nix played a really good game. Troy Franklin played a really good game. Bucky Irving played a really good game. I think you could argue both defenses – probably played pretty good considering how good these two offenses are. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, just one team had to lose, and it was Oregon. And we can start here. The debates on going for it on uh, fourth down inside the, the five in the, sec- in the second quarter to end the, the end of the half, the fourth down in the third quarter uh, by Oregon at the eight that they didn't get, and then the fourth down at midfield with two minutes to go in the game. Pick whatever one you want. Any one of them is going to get criticized highly of it. And Dan knows it, and he acknowledged that. Yeah, credit to Dan to start for taking 100% ownership, as he should, as the person who makes those decisions. Yeah. I mean, you, don't, you, don't, you don't give credit to him for that? Or? No, no, I mean, he, he can't. He has to. Yes. Yeah, so, what else is he going to do? Like, no, Bo, Bo decided to – he wouldn't leave the field. I will give him, only because he absolutely has to do it. But, yeah, no, I, I guess he came out and said yes. Um, that he, he did. should have made different decisions going into it. Yeah, and we've got full transfers. One of them on the third, one of the fourth down goal line situations. He didn't. Right. He didn't say that was the halftime one. Yeah, um, yeah. The second one, you. I don't really think he commented too much on it. Just lack of execution. One, one thing I just want to start in terms of the context of this is this is nothing new for Dan Lanning. Oregon fans understand yep. this. Last year there were problems. This year they were eight for ten on fourth down plays. This year that was one of the best marks in the country. It's the best in the Pac-12. Today they were 0 for 3, and yeah. any of those three are converted. This game may have ended a little differently. Certainly if the final one is converted, this game is over. Uh, that was the situation you're at, and that's why, like, for me, it's a really tough one. Like, I, you can easily understand both sides of that coin. It can be of two minds and say, hey, do you really want to ask your defense, period, to face Michael Penix, which is something that yeah. Dan brought up. Like, if it was 50 yards or 75 yards, well, is it going to be a big difference? I think that's fair. The question, I guess, is is you've already missed twice or you failed twice on fourth down at that point in the game, both in big spots, and yet you're going to do it again. And so, uh, again, I'm, I'm probably slightly more understanding of that one than some of the other ones um, just because you can literally win the game if you convert yeah. there. It's a three yards. You should be able to find a way to get three yards. Now, the question that I had, which I asked Dan, was do, do we like what we chose to do there? Do we like the play calls that were I made? I did not. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if it was great. And I, and again, my vantage point, I was on the fields. I didn't have a great vantage point of it. Um, I'd like to see the play again to have a better feel for it. But my sense in, in watching it as it was snapped and the way it was going was Washington seems to have this pretty well sniffed out. And this mm-hmm. is one of the things that Dan talked about is we had timeouts left. 
And if we didn't like the looks we were seeing, we could have taken one and made a different decision. And they didn't do that. So um, I don't, again, we have, I'd love to, I'm going to use the Dan Franks phrase here and say, I need to go watch the film, but that's true. Uh, 100%. I, I want to get a better feel for what exactly transpired there. But while the play was going and I saw Bo roll out and I saw how everything was defended, it was very similar to the first half, fourth down, where he looked at it and just went, this isn't going to work. Like yeah. there just wasn't anything open there. So I get to Matt's point, this is going to get criticized. This is going to get torn apart. I think rightfully so, because again, these are plays that determine the game and you can land on either side of this of saying, Hey, I want our coach to be aggressive. If he's, if these are successful, we win this game going away. Or you can make the other side and say, Hey, if, if you don't do this and you kick a couple field goals and you punt it, you win the game. Right. And I mean, that's, maybe we don't know how the rest of the game plays out in sure. that case. But that's always, there's very, an argument to have that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It's always easy to, to, to look back and, and hindsight is always 2020 and it's easy to say, well, if they just kick the field goals, then obviously they win this game because they would have more points than the, the, the amount of points that they finished with. They would have more than Washington. And sure. while that's very true, um, I just don't think, I don't think there's going to be a unanimous conclusion on this there's for not. anybody no. because uh, I see both sides of the ball for literally every single decision that they made. And uh, the one that probably frustrates me the most isn't the punt. It's probably the first half one because the third down before, if Bo Nix makes a good throw to Treshawn Holden, that's a walk-in touchdown. Yes, yep, And is. you look at the third the third down play of when we were on the field was a run. It was a negative run. How many times did Oregon run today for negative yards? Probably only a handful of times other was, than a sack. It was the only one. It was the only one. So – Dan was very adamant in the post-game press conference about execution on these plays. And it's very clear that the these fourth down, two of them at least, in my opinion, wouldn't even had to have – like the play wasn't even going to run if they just executed well on third down. And you put yourself in this situation, and if you're Oregon, I mean, you beat the – excuse me, you beat the shit out of Washington's defense today. 541 total yards. It's very similar to last year. Oregon outgained Washington but still lost on some – Interesting decision calls, maybe some fluky stuff, but some questionable decision-making by Dan or the play call and the execution of things. Like, if you're Dan Lanning and you're Wolf Stein, getting two yards to me, like, yeah, no, we can can do this. You should be able to do that. You You should be able to do this. I should have confidence. I have confidence in Bo. I have confidence in Bucky, Jordan James, the offensive line that's been doing well so, so much. I mean, they had 204 total yards on the ground. Like, that's really good. And I – I can't sit here and blame Dan, and I'm, and I'm not going to do it because I get it. I understand. It's just again, the hindsight will always be 2020 in these scenarios. Even with the 0 for three on third down, Oregon still had a 43-yard field goal to send it to overtime. Yeah. It never should have got there, which is what Dan reiterated in his post-game press conference mm-hmm. of like, "Look, we put Cam in a bad spot. Cam did, excuse me." And it never should have got to his right leg that was going to be the difference maker in this. And he's right. There's some some just poor execution. But it's, it's going to be hard for me to sit down and just say, wow, Dan really fucking sucked today. Excuse my language again. Like that's – it's just going to be hard for me to do that because I understand it. I understand it last year and against uh, Oregon State, I guess, once or twice yeah. that game. I get it. Just uh, sometimes you're on the, the wrong end of this, which is how Matt restarted this whole thing off. It's like sometimes you got to lose, and today was one of those instances. I thought it was interesting that I I, I thought the, the second quarter decision, the fourth down, right before halftime, it was they were at the three or whatever it was, yeah, it was and they had 10 seconds, and it was third down, and they had a timeout. And right. I, I was thinking when Dan said some decisions that would probably need to be made differently, I'm probably thinking – 
that's the one he's talking about because they didn't run the football once. Because like you said, they kicked the shit out of the defense. Bucky Irving was getting whatever he wanted. Jordan James' touchdown run to take the lead (laughs) was unbelievable. They could not stop consistently Oregon's rushing attack. And they didn't try to run the ball once. And I figured I had no problem with them going for it. Uh, in that situation and, and it failing, but to not even try to run the football once, knowing you had a timeout in your back pocket. Dan said that they were saving it in case they didn't like the looks so they could call a timeout mm-hmm. and then go out and send out the kicking unit. Cause he, he thought in his hind and he said in his mind, hindsight's 2020, I should have kicked a field goal to end the half, which right. caught me off guard. Cause I'm like, well, you get the ball in the third quarter. You have a lot of confidence in your unit as you should if you don't score, who cares? You get the ball back and you get you go back down, score a touchdown, you get the lead again. Mm-hmm. Um, the the third quarter one was where I was, you know, you said it best. Like if if he just plants his phonics, plants his feet and hits Trajan Holden for a pass, it's it's a touchdown, he walks in easily. And this game, you know, if, if they if they score two touchdowns, this game is 47 to 36 in Oregon's favor. Two plays and and I called it fluky because you brought up how many times did Oregon get tackled by one, you know, behind, you know, for a loss of yardage. And it happened one time and it happened the most important time. Right. That's as Bo Nix put it, football. Like yeah. things are just going to happen and you're not going to win every single game. And it's, he's going to, he's going to get ridiculed for this. He's going to get criticized for it. I'm in agreement with Jared. Like, I don't think it's his Dan's, you know, Yes, he could have done this. He could have done that. But I don't know. I have a hard time being ultra critical of it. I there's one there's one situation I would have been I would have kicked a field goal. But both of them, like I, I have, a, I'm I'm totally fine with it. I don't know. It's just well, shocking. Can, can, I ask, can I ask a question? Just just philosophically, do you like having a coach that goes for it on fourth down aggressively like this, or would you just prefer to have a kick that super like like a, I guess Mario Cristobal who like loves kicking short field goals? See, that was kind of what he, he did that quite yeah. a bit. Like. Yeah, what do you think? I because I, I like having a coach as aggressive, but then I've also as somebody who now has kind of adopted the Chargers as my NFL team because Justin Herbert's there. It, it this kind of this, this is tough stuff that happens when you're really aggressive on fourth, and you see it with Brandon yeah. Staley all the time. It, it either, frankly, it sounds good. It's gonna sound really stupid. It either works or it doesn't. Yeah. And uh, today it didn't work. Uh, yeah. Colorado, where they ran a fake punt at their own 17 yard line, that worked. Uh, I, I go back to that BYU game all the time because that was the first one where you're like, oh, yeah. my God, they're going to they're gonna do this a lot. They're going to go for fourth down. Uh, in that game, it worked. And yeah, I don't think BYU comes back and wins if it doesn't work, but those things work. You don't even think twice about it the next day. Like, oh, man, I can't no. believe they went for it. On if they season. convert so, these, we're not, no one even talking about nope. this stuff. It's a blowout. Well, not a blowout, but it's a convincing win. Or they win. Yeah, yeah, they have a good – it's a good win. And – but here we are. We're deliberating it. So uh, here's my question to you guys. Yeah. Which of the three biggest instances, the first half and the second half goal line and punt, which of the three do you flip? Do you say take field goals on those two or punt? Third quarter, third, third quarter, you take the points on that one. You're down 11 points. You kick the field goal. You're down eight. You get a stop. You score the ball. They went for two anyways. So they, you know, now they're tied. Right. And then I think they scored again really quick right after that and you're winning 37 uh to whatever it was i don't know i can't the math would be different math is hard but you'd be winning by seven and if if washington scores so be it you go to overtime you don't even need camden lewis to kick the field goal to try to, to tie the game you're, you're kicking to win the game 
uh, for me, it's, it's easy. It's, it's the third quarter, fourth down, but going at midfield, Dan's right. Like who cares if it's 75 yards, they scored two plays. <laughs> and that's why, like, if I'm ranking these, the, I, that, that play, I really have no problem with. I know that's the one that's probably going to get hit with the most because it's the last one. It's the most visible one. It's hit directly right after Washington comes down and scores. That's the one I have the least problem with. I was telling people on the sideline because people were kind of like, they've done that. I was like, I think that was a, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a no brainer, but I think that's the one I can, you can stomach. Probably the one I had the most issue with was was the same one Matt does, um, in part because that was an opportunity to make it a one-score game. Yeah. And I always like thinking, Chasing points. I, I'm always like, you know, if it's a two-score game, you can make it a one-score game with a 23-yard field goal or whatever that was going to be. I think you take the points. The one before half, my, I I'm guess, right with it. Yeah. yeah, I'm okay with it. The only thing I would say is, like, you gave yourself an opportunity. Again, this is – we're going back to that thing if it works, if it doesn't. That's a momentum shifting play, and Washington had a ton of momentum coming to the second half. In part because Oregon fails down there. Again, if they succeed, they have a t- Oregon has a ton of momentum. So this is just all of this right. razor shit thin stuff. But I'm, I, I think the second one to me is the one I'm, I'm probably, if we're gonna gripe about, yeah, that's the one I think you have the most validity with. I'm I'm in agreement with you too. Uh, just you know, my say on it, like the the final fourth down where where Oregon doesn't get doesn't get it. You know, Washington doesn't have a timeout left. It's over. Yeah, it's, it's over. over. And you're gonna if you're Oregon and you have a chance to go on the road and take down Washington, a top ten team, like and you have that opportunity and you feel good about what your offense can do, you take that all day. And uh, again, it didn't work. And it's three yards. Yeah. Like Matt said, I also don't think it would have made a difference if it was seventy yards, eighty yards, ninety yards. Um, I think Washington really would have given Oregon a run for their money and probably scored on anywhere on the field. You know, and that's barring a good punt. It could have been like a 20-yard punt. Who knows? But go ahead. Well, just the one thing I'll say is because you gave them a shorter field, you also gave yourself more time on the Yes. Weekend, sort of in a weird way. Yeah, no, they still had a minute and a half. You had a minute 40. Yeah. So it's not there, – there, there was plenty of opportunities. But, yeah, I agree. I think it's the second one. Um, even still, I understand the decision to go for it there because uh, field goals are cool, but – I didn't think a field goal was going to win this game. Turned out it was a field goal score game, so maybe it would have or would not have. Um, I just think that all the decisions in my brain, it makes sense. It really does. And, again, hindsight is going to be 2020. So you look back and you're like, why the hell did he do, decide to do any of those? He owned up to it. He talked about each set, each one and described what he was looking at, the timeouts, the checkdowns that he had that they didn't execute. Like, yeah, it makes sense. It, it makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's incredibly unfortunate. But again, uh, a damn good game, a damn good environment. Awesome, um, awesome, awesome. Being down on the field for the the, the final kick, and I, I, honestly, we were down there for shoot like seven minutes of the fourth quarter. So the final seven minutes of the fourth, the back and forth scores. Yeah, um, it, was awesome. it was incredible, and uh, it's a shame that two years in a row now, Oregon and Washington have had these great, great games, and Oregon has come out on the losing end twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, these are two fantastic programs right now, and Washington has is going to have a real chance to maybe flirt with going undefeated again. It's never happened in the Pac-12. I know it's happened in the Pac-10 of the nine-game conference schedule, but uh, USC is. I was just going right to look. I was just going to look at that right now. I think they're down by ten or eleven. Um, this Washington team is really good. I don't. I mean, their defense can kind of struggles at points, but I don't know if any team's going to be able to outscore them as much as it does. So Washington, USC is losing 31 to 13 late in the third quarter. Yeah, it's not uh, 
Caleb Williams has three interceptions in that game. And maybe the bigger surprise here at home in the fourth quarter, Arizona yeah. is beating number 19, Washington State, 44 to six. Definitely the bigger surprise. Not that they're winning that game, but that they're beating five scores. Um, you know, you know what's what, what can happen here still because I think it's clearing out where these teams could meet again in, in Vegas. I was going to say these are these, these are by far the two best. Teams. I feel comfortable saying that. I, I do want to see Oregon State UCLA result before maybe, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't even think that matters to me. I, I'm really convinced these are the two best teams and, and shoot Oregon. It's, this, this, they, they very they, they could have very well easily won this game if you simulate this yeah. one a million times. Yeah. It goes. It's so, probably it's probably like 50-50. Yeah. I think this is a split, like a, a coin flip game. And on a, on a neutral site, potentially in Vegas, imagine what that will be like. You asked, does Washington go undefeated to become the first Pac-12 team? This is their schedule. Yeah. Arizona State at home next weekend at Stanford, at USC, versus Utah, at Oregon State, versus Washington State. I You wonder, maybe Utah, traditionally good defense, right. but it's here at, at USC. At Husky you can Stadium. just get a crazy shootout. Right. Maybe Caleb Williams. Pulls off some craziness um, at Oregon State. They have on paper a good defense, but I don't know if they're going to be on pace to score with, right, that's the best, with yeah. Washington. Who's keeping up with this team other than Oregon and USC? You know, yeah. Arizona, but they already played them. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I do want to give a shout out to Oregon's defense. Yes, I, I want to bring that yeah, up. Can we, yeah, run, you want to run through the, the, yeah. the play chart here? It was really awesome in the second half until the, the very end. Yeah, the, the, the second half was. Like, uh, Dan said that they, I, I got it here. Oh, the play chart. Um, Dan said that they made some adjustments in the second half, and it was it was clear. I mean, it was uh, two straight three and outs for Washington's offense. I don't know why they abandoned the run. They actually ran the ball pretty well today. Um, Better than expected. Uh, even though Jaleel Florence and Kyrie were both, Kyrie Jackson were both kind of dinged up today, I thought Trekko's Bridges was phenomenal. Um, I thought Nico Reed did a good job at points in this game, too. Dante Manning had a play or two. I was really impressed because – Again, like Oregon's past defense has been awesome this season, like top ten across the board going into this game. But they haven't really, you know, it's it's the narrative like, well, neither of these teams have played each other. Well, holding Penix to under fifty-five percent, three hundred and four yards, three hundred and four yards. Like, I'll have to look at Michael Penix's game logs while I'm sitting here, but. Something in my brain tells me that that might be the, the lowest output he's had on the season. It was really close with Arizona last their last game. Was right. all, that was also right around that range. And to do that, and I know he had four touchdown passes, but he also had an interception. Like, Oregon got to him. They just couldn't bring him down. They made it tough on him, sack. He was really hurting towards the end of the game, mind you. Um, uh, it's uh, 304 yards at Cal, too. But, again, he didn't play the whole game. So oh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so 302 is 302 the is the lowest. Yeah. So that's the lowest that Michael Penish has thrown this year, and he was he was awesome. He was really good, and Oregon made his life very difficult today. Think about this game when Oregon gets the ball to start the third quarter. They basically, I think they went three and out, right? They did. Yeah. And Washington gets the ball, and they go six plays, sixty-five yards, real quick, mm -hmm. and they're up eleven, and it's like, oh my god, Oregon can't do anything on offense. And the Huskies have literally gone touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Michael Penix made one small mistake and threw an interception, but it didn't cost them any points because Oregon failed to score in the, in the half. And then they went touchdown again. So they scored four touchdowns and five possessions. And you have no confidence really in this defense bowing up and making stops. And what do they do? Three, three and out, three and out. 
and then they stopped Washington on a fourth down at the one yard line. And, and yeah. I want to say this: if if Oregon converts that fourth down play at the very end with two eleven to go, what we're talking about right now is that stop on the goal line. Washington had three chances from one yard out, and Oregon stonewalled them three straight times. That was that's that's a early season defining defensive stop. Right. We would be talking about like, oh, when was Ohio, like, Oregon? Yeah. What, what an incredible sequence there! They they bowed up. How about that? They they showed it out, but everything happened later, and that's going to be kind of largely forgotten now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought they were good. Um, this is like I said going into this week. This is an offense that really doesn't get stopped. Like they're going to put up points. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Um, I don't know. Maybe like Georgia's team from two years ago makes a difference, but. I thought Oregon did really well. I thought they did as, as probably as well as they could have. Uh, it just comes down to some of those scoring opportunities that uh, were, I don't want to say squandered, but they, they just weren't executed well, and Oregon turned the ball over on downs. But even still, the defense came up with some plays, and uh, it'll all be kind of washed out because Roma Dunze caught that game when he touched on pass yep. in the two plays and 53 yards. But if you're, if you're, I think it was Trekos Bridges who was scored on there. You watch the replay. He's, He's right there. It's just he was Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan didn't even really play at the first like, quarter. Yeah, uh, Polk and and Adunze are just dudes. We talked about it all week. Like these these three guys, even though McMillan didn't play, like these three guys are going to be day one, day two draft picks. And they, sure enough, Polk and Adunze showed their worth tonight, and it was very impressive from them. But I thought Oregon's secondary did as good as you really honestly could. And just to illustrate how close football is, Triquez's hand is like a split second yeah. from coming down and deflecting that pass yeah. or knocking it out of Roma Dunze's hands. But it didn't happen. And Dunze is incredibly sure-handed. These guys are awesome. There's three incredible receivers. Like we should mention, Fred Franklin was awesome. arguably like just as good. I mean, not arguably. He's just as good as he he's, just he's, he's, good. he's a stud. And, he, and Matt, I know we talked about this shortly after the game. When he had that, what was it, like a 35-yard catch 49. down here? Was it, yeah. That was actually 49? Yeah. Um, that that set that happened right before they they failed on uh, on fourth. It kind of felt like, and you kind of felt the air leaving the building a little bit. Like, okay, Oregon's game's over. Oregon's about to finish this thing. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a twenty-five yard pass. Yeah, I was thinking of the other one. Yeah, yeah I, I was, that was fifty. No. But that, that that play, which was a great catch and a real ballsy decision by Bo, that was third and four, and they threw like kind a twenty-five yard fade and back shoulder fade. He makes an incredible catch. That's a, that's a this guy's an awesome player. We're gonna throw it up to him thing. And it really felt like at that moment, it really the momentum had completely swamped. And it was okay, you get a couple first downs and it's, yeah. it's over. They just needed, yeah, it was like one, maybe two first downs max. Um, real quick, I just wanted to touch on Jared's point. If you had an idea of a fan that Oregon was going to like shut down this passing attack, you had unrealistic expectations. Yeah, it was never going to happen. Like they, they were going to get, I had people on, on our site talking about it and on Twitter talking about it, how like, Oregon's defense is terrible, and, and they can't get stops. And it's like, you're not respecting the opponent. No one gets stops. And the, <laughs> this is the best one's played. There was five. There was five punts in this game, and Washington had more punts, and they had a turnover that Oregon did not commit. Oregon's defense played about as good as you possibly can. In the day and age where really good teams are going to do what Oregon did to Colorado, because shocker, Colorado isn't a good team. Yeah. Like that's not going to happen anymore. Like th- those types of games where, you know, an elite offense just gets absolutely shut down, right. just doesn't happen. And this is about as good of a defensive performance as a team can make against the Huskies. Right. And their offense is really good. And I bet you Kellen DeBoer is probably going to say, wow, we dodged a couple bullets 
holding Oregon to 33 points because they easily could have had 14 or more points in this game and, and walk away with the victory. So, so I don't know, to hammer home the point because I want to be right, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Fair. Uh, 414 total yards for Washington today. That's their lowest of the season by 60 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their second lowest point total of the season after their Arizona win last week or excuse me, two weeks ago, 31 points they scored. Uh, granted, uh, in that game, they fumbled at the two-yard line and could have gone up 38 to 17, uh, which then Oregon would have the, the lowest. Like what Matt was saying, like this, this offense is just going to move the ball. That's just as simple as that. Adunze and McMillan and, and Polk and Penix, all these guys are so good. I thought it was surprising how well they moved the ball on the ground. Yeah, um, but again, like uh, to Matt's point, like they forced some punts. Like it, it ended up coming down to which team got more stops in important scenarios, and Washington got more stops in those important scenarios. And uh, this is kind of how it is. I was, I was just gonna. I, well, I was gonna ask how much time are we good on time? Because I, I I do think we'd need to probably. Yeah, we're fine. Okay, cool. Um, where are we at with Camden Lewis now? Because I I've been I've been on the Camden Lewis bandwagon as I think everybody should be. He's been one of the best kickers in the Pac-12 for the last two years. He's been extremely consistent. Last two games he's missed field goals, I, kicked the ball out of bounds. It's it's not been great. I think it sucks to say, but anything probably beyond forty yards should probably be something that you're going for. And he made a forty-five yard earlier in the game. But he did. You're not wrong. I know you're not wrong. I mean, it. it it's tough because I think we all love Camden. He's a great guy to talk to. He's he's a, he's been a very productive kicker. This is going to be a game people remember. This is not going to be a thing, and it's not. And at the damn point, it's not his fault that lost this game. There was he that, never should have been in that situation exactly. anyway. No, they shouldn't have. But he also had an opportunity to put this and game into overtime. Didn't and, execute. And I would I think it would have been fun to watch an overtime period. A and I think Oregon would have had a great chance to win this game if we go to overtime, just with the way the momentum had sort of shifted there, um, and and in terms of just the way that Oregon. Was able to run the football to the point made earlier. Um, it's tough. It's tough. And again, fair or unfair, this is going to become one of the more defining character, mm-hmm. defining moments of his career. And it's not a good one. It's very. It's actually very similar. One thought I had. It's very similar to um, was it Peyton Henry who was Washington's yes. kicker in 2018, who oh, had yeah, yeah, been yeah. An, a very consistent, a great kicker up to that point. He misses a field goal there in regulation that would have won it. Oregon goes on to win. Oregon fans are going to remember that that's that was that was a defining you know moment yeah. of his career. This is yeah. going to be the same thing for a lot of people with Camp, which is unfortunate, but kind of make the kick. I real quick, I don't like and didn't like Oregon's game plan on that final drive. It didn't feel like they took a lot of shots. I I really felt like they did a lot of underneath stuff. Let's just get six or seven yards. And the first couple of plays, they didn't even care. They got tackled out of bounds. They ran. They lost a lot of time um, on that drive because of, I think, the first two or three plays that they made. Uh, there were completions, no doubt. They were moving the ball, but I just, I didn't get the sense of, hey, we need a chunk play really quickly to get well, to get to midfield, and then you start dinking and dunking, you know, slow the clock. And I, I don't get, know. I get that, but. If you're watching, what's, what's the last thing you want to do? Give up a deep ball. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just playing prevent. I'm playing cover three prevent. Like, I'm not letting anybody get behind me, especially Trey Franklin, who had two yeah. big deep balls. Or I, I, You kind of consider the, the law pass to be another one. Like, yeah. if I'm watching this defense, I'm not going to let you score a touchdown over the top on us. If you want to dink and dump, dink and, dump and get a field goal range like they did, it'd be my guest. I'm just not letting you beat me deep. 
Um, <laughs> to, go to, to go off of Camden, just real quick. Yeah, go for it. I'm more concerned about the kickoffs than anything else, I yeah, think. It's three in the uh, last couple weeks. It's three in the last two games. And uh, that's bad. That's uh, it's, it's just horrible field positioning for your defense. Um, again, you hopefully get a touchback. And Camden, when he does connect on him, is touchback automatic, basically. Uh, he had one short one today, too, which was, again, very uncharacteristic of what he has been doing all season long. The field goals – Kind of stinks. We we just knew that his range wasn't uh, wasn't crazy. I mean, he had plenty of leg on the field goal today, and the one against Stanford that he missed. I think that was like forty eight. Again, wide right, same same deal. Um, just I think it just kind of happens, and yeah. I don't think there's a reason to be not confident in Camden. It's not like Camden from three or four years ago. Oh, Camden, I know. it's not. I agree. He's still very good. The thing that. Uh, gets to me the most has to be the kickoffs because kicking a ball out of bounds is like a cardinal sin of a kicker. Can't be You're going to miss a field. I mean, we watched Stanford's kicker multiple times now as like the, the all-conference kicker. Yeah, he and Camden have been like the first two guys the last two years. And, you know, he misses, he misses a field. He's missed three or four this season. Yeah. Like sometimes this happens with kickers. It's kind of like bullpen relievers in baseball. Like they're kind of sporadic at points. But the, the kickoffs out of bounds are – those are a little concerning. I guess the, and I'll just leave it here on this, and I do think we need to touch on some injury stuff because I was just looking at the box score and going, do we know what happened with Terrence Ferguson? Because that looked kind of not great. Oh, yeah. But, we, um, we didn't even ask Dan about that. Uh, but like, I guess the, 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 just to end the, the point on, on Camden, I, I always worry when guys fall short in big moments and what that does psychologically. And Camden, you talk to him and you get a sense. He is so well-grounded and, uh, and talks about his process and, and – Mentally, I think he is so good at blocking everything out. But you, we've all been there before, where you make a mistake and it doesn't go You're great, and it, and it and it, it kind of it sticks with you. And so you just wonder, like I don't know. I mean, there's probably gonna be other close games in this year where they might need to make, have him make a kick. Yeah. And you just kind of wonder where he's at. And I guess we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I just this wasn't a thing I was concerned about at all it's, coming into this year. Was Camden Lewis? I thought I, I still think he's a really good kicker. Mm-hmm. Now there's just a little bit of doubt in my mind, and you hope that's not the case for him too. It feels very much like a golfer who's hitting a slice or, or a hook, and it's like, okay, I can't, I can't hit a slice here, I can't hit a slice here, mm-hmm. and then you do it, and you're just kind of in your head now. That's what it feels like. With that's him. the fear. That's yes. the fear. Like I can't make a mistake, can't make a mistake, and then that happens beyond just kickers. That's yeah. that's every sport, every profession, whatever. Um, yeah, injuries. Bigger one, Jalil Florence, Terrence Ferguson. I mean, that, that I'm not trying to say one's more important, but boy, those are They're two starters. Two that starters are, that are pretty positions. Key, key yeah. guys. I mean, Kyrie got hurt, but he came back. Um, mm-hmm. That was a very positive sign. Yeah. Terrence's looked. I, I felt terrible because it looked like he blew his knee out, and I was right in front of the UW student section, and look. Oregon did this to themselves last season with Chris Hudson and yeah. faked an injury. Yes. But like, yes. <laughs> and by the way, Chris, just don't admit to it. Yeah. Man. Just learn. But Terrence legitimately like blew his knee out. It looks like don't have any idea. Uh, what I don't it know. Is. It's, it's, really, it's really hard. Cause Zach, Zach Neal had a, had a this video of him after the game, just walking normally and, to, this, to, to the block. And I was standing with Zach. We watched that play. Like and well, the reaction looked terrible, to your point. You saw the reaction. Zach and I watched the replay of it, and it, there was like it looked nothing like nothing out of the ordinary happened. He just kind of like rolled over. Yeah. But then, to your point, he was like 
screaming a and like grabbing at it. it well, there was a really lineman bad. that came up to him and instantly was like, get yeah. over here. Even yeah. a Washington player was like, hey, yeah. Oregon people, come on over. So here. I don't know. I mean, to your question about which one would be – I. I think I, 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 I almost I want, think I don't even want to pick. I almost think like they're both just game changers because Florent, Kyrie Jackson is really good, but we've always kind of wondered like who's the other guy that's going to be opposite him, and it's been a rotation. It's been Florence, it's been Nico, and I Dun- think Dante. we saw Dante a lot this this Sorry, week. Try to try played really well at times tonight. Got in late. Um, but it felt like Florence was kind of like their good guy in the slot. And I don't know, now he's unavailable potentially. But that, that looked arm. That yeah, looked it was like Florence. Yeah, it looked wrist, arms, and forearm. Like yeah. But then Jared's biggest concern all offseason is tight end. Tight end. Yeah. And your best one is hurt. And we don't know the status. Um, I think, I mean, he, he made some big catches in this game, he made some really good blocks in this game. Mm-hmm. And Without him, you have Patrick Herbert, Kenyon Sadiq, who I don't really remember seeing get on the field much. If he uh, did, he plays special teams, and that's it. Um, Casey Kelly has gotten on the field more now. They've played a lot of thirteen personnel, and he was on the field a lot. But yeah. the problem is, is if Ferguson is hurt for a, a long period of time, is that Herbert's not the number one? If it is, Herbert's now your number one, and Casey Kelly is now your number two, and Kenyon Sadiq is now your number three. So how much thirteen uh, personnel can you run? Right. How much 13 personnel can you run? Because it's clearly a huge part of Will Stein's offense. And Kenny Sadiq, as much as I think that he's going to be uh, quite a good tight end eventually in his career here at Oregon, like uh, I don't just I just don't think he's physically there to match up with this. Because even Casey Kelly, who's uh, smaller of the two, smaller with air quotes around it for our listeners here, he's still like six foot four, 245 pounds. Like Kenny Sadiq is 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 not that. He's no. probably pushing 230, maybe. He looks more like pounds. a big receiver. He's a big yeah. receiver. He's that Brock Bowers mold. And it's really nice when you compare Brock Bowers up like Georgia did last year with Darnell Washington, like a human refrigerator. That's good. It's really great. But <laughs> if Terrence Ferguson goes down, like again, your your tight end depth is really, really shallow. And if you you know, God, God forbid, another injury to that tight end room. You're down to two real tight ends. No offense to Caden Ludwig or Travis Brashear, who are walk-ons, but two more scholarship tight ends. So uh, that's why I hammered it home in the offseason. Obviously, we don't really know what's up with Ferguson. Didn't look great on initial impacts. Yeah. Again, he walked. He looked like he was walking fine in the locker room. I'm not saying – It's Oregon, such a weird one. I'm not saying Oregon faked an injury again. Washington fans certainly thought they did. Washington fans certainly thought they did, and uh, we'll never know because I don't think Terrence Ferguson is stupid enough to admit it out loud. <laughs> um, but we'll see. You know, but the Florence one, uh, he did have his helmet on the sideline. He just didn't go back in. And mind you, they took Terrence, or excuse me, they took Julius Florence out of the game at the start. Yeah, because Romadunze and Jalen Polk were beating him. Housed him. Yep, they housed him. They beat him on, on multiple deep balls. Uh, the, the first touchdown of the game to Giles Jackson, I believe it was, that mm-hmm. was on Julio Florence's coverage. Like mm-hmm. They was. brought him out. They took they put in Nico Reed. They eventually put in Dante Manning opposite of Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Jackson. And eventually, Trico's Bridges was like, oh, this is the puzzle piece that we need to have fitted because and it worked. Although he <laughs> let up the game-winning touchdown, he was quite good before that. And did very well on Roma Dunze. And that was a fun matchup to watch because, again, Trico's Bridges had been 
riding pine most of the year up until garbage time. And here he is. Uh, Dan was asked about it this earlier this week. It's nice to have somebody like that on your bench that you can go to. And that's exactly what they did. And he performed. So I'm sad that Triquez, I'm, I'm a fan of his yeah. as a person, but I'm sad that people were going to remember him being dunked on by Roma Dunze at the end of the game. But he was, he was damn good for a while of it. But both of those injuries are going to hurt down the line. If, if they, they are. And uh, we should say, we believe we still have practice access, even though Dan threatened to take it from us. Um, and if that's the case, we will offer whatever kind of information we can this week. We will ask Dan about it on Monday, and he will offer whatever he's comfortable saying. I would imagine it'll be far from definitive. Um, real quick, does Oregon run the table the rest of the way? I, uh, I, I think so. This could be an easy just yes or no question. I say yes. I say yes. Um, <laughs> you're missing two lost predictions this I, season. I missed a two lost prediction. And while I think Oregon is talented enough to run the table, I don't know if it happens. Um, Where's the hurdle? Where's the big one? USC, What's the one that scares you? Utah, USC, Utah still? Utah still. Um, they're just going to be really good. USC, I'm, I feel pretty good about, especially with Oregon's defense playing as well as they have. Although that was my preseason prediction that they would lose to USC. Um, Does this change your opinion at all? Oregon State is up 12 against a really good UCLA defense in the late the third quarter. There's a lot of choices. Is the thing yeah, about this no, there's, there's a lot of really good games that are coming up. Um, it would not shock me, though. I'm very, very tempted to say yes because what I saw from Oregon today was like, yeah, this is a top-10 team, and Washington's a clear top-10 team. They're probably a top-5 team at this point. Like, I don't – if Oregon plays their game and if they take this game and they are uh, impassioned by it and they want to go out there and improve and go and freaking run the table, I think they can do it. I just – this is college football. This is there's, – there's dumb decisions, like from – or dumb decisions, quote-unquote, by Dan Lanning today that you can't anticipate going into a game that completely changed the shape of it. So maybe I'm taking the cowardly way out, but that's I, what I'm doing. I think it's fair to point all of that out. And I just, my last thought here, actually I had two. I'm sorry, I always have the two yeah, thoughts. You're good. People should check out Bo Nix's impassioned answer to a question that he barely answered, but then spoke for about three minutes about a lot of other things. It was a Tim Tebow moment. It, it was, was very, it was, very it was Tebow. awesome to be like, like uh, Bill Orm from the Oregonian turned to me on his notepad because we can't talk during and wrote down this is going to go viral and underlined it like five times. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. Like this was, it was, it was, it, it, it was something really cool. We've got the whole story up on, on the, on the site. And if you want to have optimism coming out of this about where their headspace is at, go watch that and look at who's leading this team. And then my last thought was, and this is, I don't know if people are going to hate me for this. I kind of feel better about Oregon after this game. Is that, is that a controversial no, take? I no, actually I, think this was like, they played really, I, really well and probably should have won I this game. I understand that. Yeah, no, they probably should have won this game. Again, it goes back to the coaching decisions. But the, the question mark is like, well, is Oregon's defense any good? And if they can do what they did today against Penix and those receivers, I know they had a good day, but they played really well I for a while. I think the answer is yes. And I think the answer is yes. Again, like there's no other offense – that's going to attack them like Washington will until USC. And I still think that Oregon's defensive line against USC is going to be fun to watch. Uh, this is just like a crazy prediction that's never going to happen. It's not serious. Okay. Uh, Washington runs the table, goes undefeated to the conference championship game. Oregon does the same. Oregon beats UW in the college football playoffs. With committee, both in? committee goes. I think they should bring me chaos and yeah. makes them play a third time in the, in the college football playoff. <laughs> I think in this hypothetical world, they would both absolutely make 
Yes. If if Oregon wins out and oh, UW wins out until the conference championship and Oregon wins, yep. they both should be this in. Is, that would be such a perfect end of the Pac-12, too. That would be such a perfect end. They get two teams in. The only, yes, only the SEC and the Big Ten have ever done that. And we're getting back to gets two. In the last Chef's game. kiss. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us on this. We are, like, much more upbeat. Less of, remember the well, game? We talked it out. Yes. This cathartic. We talked but, it out. I remember the, the UW game last year, and someone commented, like, you guys all sound, like, completely, well, here's, like, here's, devastated. Here's and a, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I agree with you. Like, yeah, I'm totally fine with Oregon. Like, they lost, but, like, as Dan said, as Bo said, like, they control their destiny. So yeah, they lost to a and, and, good but, fucking team. And now we're going to get people complaining that we're too upbeat after this. <laughs> we can't please everybody. I'll tell you that much. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Austin Levels Podcast Post Game Edition. Next time you hear from us, Monday morning with the mailbag, make sure to send in your questions to uh, Eric Scopel. Uh, he will collect all the best ones, and then we'll discuss those on the podcast. Until then, you've been listening to the Austin Levels Podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.